John chapter 14, starting in verse 7, picking up with where we left off. Just a few verses, uh, starting verse 7, John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and we can also put one in your hand. And if you don't have a Bible, you can even keep this one. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you have not yet known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, who does the works, Believe, uh, sorry, sorry, let me say, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. It's forever settled in heaven. Lord, we know that uh, we need to hear from you this morning. Even if we've read these verses before, we pray that they would be fresh, they would be new. I pray for a refreshing of your Holy Spirit upon me. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I need your power. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me to your servants. You'd speak to me. And, Lord, you would speak to us all. And we would have listening ears, soft and attentive hearts. For, Jesus, we desire to hear from you by the work of your Spirit and your eternal words. In your name we pray. Amen. I was talking to another pastor just this week down in Georgia, a friend of mine, and um, he had finished John recently. And he says to me, he goes, isn't it amazing that we will spend weeks or even months on one night because of John dedicating so many chapters to this one night? We left off a week ago in verse 6 with the emphatic and eternal witness of Jesus that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No other person, no other religion, no other philosophy or belief can save the soul from sin and provide the access to heaven but Jesus. Is it true now? as it was the day Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. And although we live in a society that has become less and less and less, and I've seen it in my lifetime, accepting of the authority of Scripture. Polls show it. Lifestyles show it. Politics show it. Everything shows it. You'd have to be blind as a bat Although at least bats have sonar. (laughs) Our society has become less and less accepting of the authority of Scripture, less and less accepting of who Jesus is. And this rejection, by the way, has actually accelerated in the past 20 years. I say often, since 9-11, the rejection has accelerated. I said, we're, we're, either, we're either getting closer to a revival or closer to judgment, or both. Let's understand that our postmodern society 
is not more enlightened now. It's not more knowledgeable now. It's just more deceived now. That's what it is. That's the society we now live in. Yet Jesus' words have not changed and will not change. Aren't you glad? Why? Because he loves to set people free. Free from sin, free from darkness, and free from deception. And anyone that changes their mind to believe in him will be totally changed. Immediately, to some degree, I know there's a process of discipleship, and eternally. Now we know his disciples, they had already come to believe in him. Would you agree with that? They already believed in Jesus. That's why they were there in the upper room. His powerful witness was another bright and continuous light to the entire world. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, that was for everyone. Everyone that would ever live. At least to know. But to his troubled disciples that night, it was to strengthen and fortify their personal faith. They already believed in him, but they needed more faith. How many of you already believe in Jesus, but you need more faith? I do. I need it this morning. Reinforcing that they had already, they had already crossed the greatest chasm when they trusted in Jesus for salvation. You and I have already crossed the Grand Canyon of our lost condition. But he was, he was letting them know, no, no, more than that, a future home awaits you. And now they're told that Jesus is personally going to return to heaven and prepare a place for each of them. And Jesus gave them a new name for the glory of heaven. He called it the Father's house. The Father's house. Heaven, known as the house of God, would have been familiar to them because that's in the Old Testament. The final verse of Psalm 23, for example, David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Doesn't say Father's house, house of the Lord. But the Father's house, and there were many mansions, Jesus said, in the Father's house, was even more personal. Wouldn't you agree? It's even more personal, even more intimate. I want you to come to the Father's house. Why? Because they had not only been saved from sin, just like you and I, but they had been brought into the family of God. They're part of a family now, through the Son of God. You see, the purchase of salvation has been completed at the cross. That was already finished work now. But Jesus bringing the entire family of God home to the Father still remains as we get closer and closer and closer to the end of the age. We're closer every day to that. But to know God right now, and increasingly as our Heavenly Father, and our provider, is just as much through Jesus as is our salvation and our future homecoming in heaven. It's all, all through Jesus, amen? All of it's through Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you see the title, God the Father revealed in the Son. Look at verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. 
And from now on, you know him and have seen him. On the heels of Jesus proclaiming to be the way, the truth, and the life, he follows that with this massive expansion of their understanding. Yet another prepare to have their minds blown moment. If what Jesus is saying is that if they had known the fullness of God and his deity and his nature, they would have already known him personally as the Father. Do you know him personally as the Father? This statement also works in eternity past as well as in the future. It's now being revealed here in Jesus to them. And from now on, as they look to Jesus, they are seeing the Father, and they know him through the Son. This is to say that they would now see who God is. This is the God of John chapter 3 poured out at the cross. Jesus saying, you're going to know him as the Father. Father, I pray even now, Lord, that your people here would know you as the Father. Lord, you'd speak to every person here. We would know you as our Father, as our Savior, through Jesus the Son. Lord, help me communicate that because only you can. In your name I pray. Sorry, I just felt led to pray again. Might feel a few more times. You never know. Look at verse 8, Philip's response. Lord, show us the Father and that will be sufficient. Now, Philip's response is is relatable to us. Philip's like, okay, I think I get it. So now just show us the Father. Jesus. Did you not hear what I just said? If you had known me, you'd know the Father. From now on, you've seen him when you see me. He appears to speak for all the disciples here, but he doesn't say, wow, we're looking at the Father. He doesn't say that. No, he asked Jesus to show them all the Father. In the Old Testament scriptures, God is seen as the father of Israel. And even that usage of God's name as father is rare in the Old Testament. Pretty rare. But when it's used, it's in the context of God being the father of Israel, the nation. But with Jesus comes revelation. The disciples knew Jesus was from God. And they had the understanding of God as holy, which he is. Full of glory, which he is. Seated on a throne, which he is. But Jesus, being God coming personally to them, is a far deeper revelation of God that they were not grasping. I don't even think we still grasp it today. We don't really grasp it. I mean, a little bit of it. And understandably so. 
But they wanted to see God the Father. To have their faith exponentially increased. And if they were thinking of the saints that came before them, they might have been hoping for a similar experience to, let's take Moses or Isaiah, and I have it up on the screen. Moses, for example, said, Moses prayed to God. Well, he didn't just pray to God. He was literally speaking verbally to God, which was a prayer, but I mean, Moses actually heard God talk back to him audibly. And he says to God, please show me your glory. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And that's where we get a great hymn. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. In other words, I am so holy, if you caught a glimpse of me, you would die instantly. Then in Isaiah 6, 1, Isaiah the prophet, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So the apostles, they knew the Old Testament. They knew the Tanakh, the Old Testament scriptures. They'd grown up hearing these things, and they, this was their understanding of God. When Jesus said, I'm showing you the Father, they, they're, they're seeing this, but they want to see the glory of God just like Moses did. And perhaps they're thinking that to see the glory of God the Father will give them courage, will give them strength. After all, Jesus said he was leaving. The word sufficient in the Greek, it means content or enough or I love this last meaning, and it's all simultaneous in the Greek. It also means possessed with unfailing strength. How many of you would like to have unfailing strength? How many of you would like to have contentment, enoughness in your spirit? Who wouldn't want that? And that's what what, uh, Philip is saying. Philip is saying, show us that, show us that glory, and that will be sufficient. It will give us unfailing strength. So the disciples, with Philip as the spokesperson, says, that's all we need, Jesus. You show us that, we'll have all the strength and courage we need. Just give us a glimpse of the Father, a glimpse of his glory. Give us a little bit of what Moses or Isaiah saw. Look at verses 9 and 11. 9 through 11. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. When we look at Jesus' response to Philip and the disciples, it's like Jesus saying, how are we in the same place that we started. Jesus, guys, how are we still not understanding this? And I have no doubt that the Lord looks at all of us the same way. I have no doubt the Lord looks at all of us and says, how are you still in the same spot? 
I lovingly. I'm not, he's not saying this with condemnation. I'm just saying God looks at us like a parent to a child. You love your kids. I love my kids. And there's times you think that. You still love them. You're not done working on them or with them or helping them. But he says that. And there are times when, just like the disciples, we can be in the exact same place and our understanding and our faith is kind of stuck in neutral. Just right there. Not going forward. We're not believing any false things, but it's just kind of stuck. That's where they're at. But what Jesus expresses here is both an admonishment but also with an in-depth explanation. And it amounts to the fact that they may not fully understand everything, but they need to simply believe it. That's really good for us in the age where everybody uh, wants an exact evidence of everything. You know, salvation still requires faith, folks. The just will still live by faith. And Jesus is saying, you're going to have to simply believe this. You're not, I'm not going to tell you every secret of heaven. Or even explain to you in depth sometimes what I've just said to you. Said doesn't always mean explain. He does explain a lot of things, but he doesn't explain everything. They may not understand how Jesus is the Son, but also the Messiah, sent from God, but he also is God the Father in the flesh. Can any of us fully define that? No. Isaiah, who saw the glory of God, he also prophesied of Jesus' oneness as God. Now, we usually see this passage around Christmas, but it's for all the seasons, and it's also for all, it's not even for all, it's for some of the the facets of who Jesus is and his oneness. Here's the verse, you know it well, around the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born. So it's going to be a human being. It's not going to be like any other human being. It's going to be a human being who's all God and all man. Not born of a man, only born of a woman, a virgin. That's in another passage. But uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Capital son, the the. the Baby would be born of a woman, but he would be a given son. Given by who? Given by God the Father, his begotten. And the government will be upon his shoulder. That'll be great someday, won't it? Yes. No more elections in the millennium. So, it's going to be great. There's no election season in the millennium. None. You don't get to cover any elections in the millennium. At least not for the king of the world anyway. Maybe some of the countries might have. But it, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Quite a collection there, isn't it? Of names that on face value, they would almost look contradictory to some degree. How can you be the Son and the Everlasting Father? But again, that's the understanding of the whole triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Separate persons of the Godhead and yet one. A child is born of human flesh and yet this very same Son is the everlasting Father. 
I'm glad I don't have to figure all of this out. How about y'all? But I can accept it. But it was all new. We've actually been reading the New Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written. Jesus was the living New Testament in their presence. It was all new for them to digest and grasp. We now have years and years of looking at this, and we've gotten used to the terminology, but I still don't think we can truly uh, really define the doctrinal theology of it all. Not even close. Now, Jesus, of course, uh, he could have quoted this very passage when he was speaking to them, could he not? Of course, he knew it. He quoted from Isaiah. He could have quoted this passage, but here he doesn't because he's the Word made flesh. He is the Word in their presence. It's about to be pierced. And he looks into their eyes and he speaks in such a way that they might reflect on all they've already seen and heard over the past three years. He wants them to digest what they've heard the past three years. And God wants us to digest what we've been hearing the past few weeks and what we'll be hearing in coming weeks. They have to to let what they know and have already seen, this is very important for all of us, they have to let what they know and have already seen from Jesus override what they can't see, can't comprehend, or can't even define. And that's really good for us, isn't it? Sometimes you're talking to someone who's unsaved, and they want uh, point by point, and like, that I cannot give you. I can give you that he radically changed my life. And I can give you what Jesus said of himself. Well, he said he's the way, the truth, and life. But then prove it. I don't have to prove it. He said it. It's done. Reverend Billy Graham said this. He said, remember, God took upon himself human flesh, and became a man. A fact that should stagger our imagination. It does stagger mine. I'm like, Lord, I'm supposed to get in the pulpit and explain this? It staggers. Uh, if we want to know what God is like, we only, only need to look at Jesus, for he was God in human flesh. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's what Jesus told us. That's what he's telling the disciples. Is You're looking at the Father in the flesh. They didn't quite get it. They need to believe and not doubt for a second that Jesus and the Father are one. All that he has said has been the Father speaking through him. That's what he's saying. He says, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Everything he said is the Father speaking through him. And there in verse 11, uh, they just can't understand Look what he says. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, he ties this in here, or else believe me for the sake of the works or the many miracles themselves. Why would he tie that in there? Just as they can't understand how a miracle happens, they can see a miracle happen, they don't know how he can speak to Lazarus and he just comes out of the grave. They know it happened. They can't define how it happened other than the power of God resting upon Jesus. They can't understand how a miracle happens, though they know what did happen. Thousands of them, in fact. And equally, they can't understand how Jesus is the Father. They have to just accept that he's the Father. So just because you can't define my works, you can't define me as the Father. Simply believe it. 
He's never failed them yet, has he? They can believe every word. To see him is to see the Father, and that he is simultaneously also the way to the Father, because he just said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Jesus, are you the way to the Father, or are you the Father? Yes. You guys know I say that a lot, right? There's a lot of these in the Bible. A lot of these. If you come here long enough, you'll see that there's tons of these. Am I the way? Am I the Father? Yes. For them and for us, don't try and figure it out. Now let it go deeper into your soul. Let God reveal, but sometimes you can't just figure things out. Now I'm I'm not saying not to study the Word. I'm not saying not to break it down. I'm not saying that. I do that. But there's certain things that I'll hit a wall and the Lord's like, you don't have to figure this out. Just marinate on it. First, just believe it. Believe it. Receive it and let me, um, again, fortify your faith with it. And Jesus is the Father, but he's simultaneous that way. He doesn't want us figuring it out, but uh, let it rest in our souls with simple childlike faith. Just rest in our, Lord, childlike faith to believe you are the Father. But don't forget the context and the setting here. Jesus is soon going to die. He's hours away from uh, being falsely accused, and then ultimately to the cross. They can't foresee this. Even though he said it, they can't foresee it. But then he's going to rise, and soon after he'll be leaving to go back to the Father's house. He's told them, he's assured them, he's saved them, he's loved them, and encouraged them, and they're still a bit unsettled. Again, I'm taking you back into the context here. In all of this, they're still a bit unsettled, a lot unsettled, as to what's going to come next. Jesus wants them to have faith and not focus on what's next, but to focus on the Father. To focus on the Father. So here we are, 2,000 years later, sitting in Chesterfield County, Virginia, Jesus has now been at home in the Father's house for those 2,000 years. Interestingly enough, remember Jesus, I'm going to go prepare. They have been home with Jesus for almost that entire 2,000 years, but a few short years that they didn't realize how short those years would be. And you don't realize how short your life will be either. Amen. Goes by fast. So they've been with him almost the entirety of it, with the exception of, well, in James' case, not more than less than a year. And in John's case, 1,900 of the last 200 years. And everybody else at different points in between. But they're still unsettled. And all these disciples, they'll become apostles. They're now at home with Jesus. But for all of us, it's just a matter of years before we will also join him. And so here we are today, and instead of Jesus leaving, remember he said, I'm going to leave and come back and get you. Now, instead of Jesus leaving us, because he's, he's actually been on his throne next to the Father, instead of him leaving, his return to receive us is getting closer and closer by the second. It's not him leaving, it's him coming now. We're not waiting for him to leave, we're waiting for him to come. But even knowing this, even knowing that Jesus is coming, and even knowing that he's coming sooner than when this service started, even knowing that, we can still be as unsettled as the disciples. 
as to what comes next. Yes. Yes. Right? We can be very, very unsettled. What comes next? What about my job? What about what's going to happen in this country? What's going to happen in the world? What if, what if one of these countries detonates a nuclear weapon? All the kind of things that are out there. What comes next? What would Jesus tell us? Well, we're his disciples too. And he still wants his disciples to have faith, walk in faith, and focus on the Father. Same thing. I love these words of Jesus in Mark 5.36. Do not be afraid. Only believe. It's easy to be afraid. It's easy to be troubled. That's the context of where they're at. That's why they can't get it. That's why they're like, give us a little glimpse of God's glory and that will settle us and give us courage. Wasn't that they didn't believe what Jesus was saying. They couldn't get what he was saying. So they were like, just show us this one thing. This will be help. Jesus, no, no, I've given you everything you need. Now you need to just believe. Just believe. And all of us here, we have his word. Don't be afraid. Only believe. God the Father, revealed in the Son, lived out in the Spirit, which we'll be looking at in the next several verses, we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit, is the one that if we focus on the Father, will be strengthening our faith day by day. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you again for this time in your word. Lord, we may not understand how your son is also the father and the way to the father. And Lord, these things may be beyond our comprehension, but they're not beyond the gift of faith. To receive them, to not be troubled, not be confused, not be afraid, but only Believe And Lord, I pray that each and every person in this room uh, would take the words of Jesus and Lord, that they would allow them to sink deeper into our souls with childlike faith that we would grow. And Lord, that sufficiency that was mentioned, enough, self, uh, all sustaining strength that comes from you. Lord, we ask that you would do that in our lives. Lord, we were gathered here as one church. You would do that to each and every one of us. Lord, strengthen our faith in you. For we need it in a world that is a mess and rather falling apart at the seams. But Lord, we don't know what comes next, but we know you hold the future in your hands. So Lord, we pray that you would again help us to focus on the Father through the Son by the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.